Hi, this is Sam Chan, and welcome to the Sam Chan Leadership Podcast. It is my honor to serve you, help you achieve your dreams. Let's do this together. It takes as much to exit or even more than when you came in. A number of things about that. If you are a if you are a lead leader, if you are a lead pastor, if you are a, a CEO, if you are head of a department, if you are leading a team, if you are if you are a head manager, or if you are punching a clock, regardless, listen to me real carefully. Nobody remembers how you came in, and nobody forgets how you leave. Nobody remembers how you came in. Nobody forgets how you leave. Uh, give 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 you a few examples to unpack that. I went to be president of a Christian university in Atlanta in 1989. I had a freshman class, a sophomore class, a junior class, and a senior class. Within four years' time, five years' time, sometimes. They all graduated. Another class came in, they graduated. Another class came in, they graduated. I was their president for 15 years, from 1989 to 2003. I was their president for 15 years. When I left, the people who remember me are not the people who saw me come in. Because these students had already gone, almost all the staff had turned over, except for one, two. Everybody who was there when I came in was not here when I left. So these people who were there when I came in don't remember. These people over here when I left won't forget. So how you exit is even more important than how you came in. I'll give you another example, because I think this is a very, very important point. You can't be lackadaisical about the whole idea of succession. I fly quite a bit. There are three parts of a flight. The takeoff, the flight, the landing. All three of them are very crucial. All three of them are very crucial. From a passenger's point of view, I think that landing the plane is the hardest part of those three parts. So when you're taking off, you're barreling down a runway, and you take off into the blue open skies or cloudy, rainy skies, whatever, but you got the whole space in front of you. So if you veer off a few yards this way, a few meters that way, a quarter of a kilometer this way, and uh, you know, you can go this way, that way a little bit, you got leeway there, you're okay. Flying, you're in the air, you're on track, your GPS is guiding you. But when you're landing a plane, you're coming out of the big blue ocean, I mean skies, and 
you got this little ribbon called a runway. Just a few meters, just a few yards wide. And you got to land this baby, this big old jumbo jet, a right smack dab in the middle on the line of that runway. And that is what succession is like. Because landing the plane is harder than taking off. So whatever sphere and scope of work you are in, keep reminding yourself that as life goes on, you got to become more and more strategic because you're getting closer and closer every day. You're closer, getting closer to landing the plane every day. Now, some of you might be uh, relatively younger. Some of you are older. It really doesn't matter. You've got to start thinking about when the time comes, when I have crossed those benchmarks, how will I land the plane? Because exit is more important than entrance. The second thing is, succession is all about the organization's sustainability. A successful succession is not just about the successor. It's not just about the incoming person. It's not about the predecessor. It is about the sustainability of the organization. When you leave your department, when you are not managing your area, when you are not leading your nonprofit, when you are not leading your church, when you're no longer the CEO, will the organization continue? Does it have sustainability into it? Because the successful succession is an organization that will continue and grow even beyond you. I told you earlier I was president of a Christian university in Atlanta. That was, I left in 2003. Now, I look back on that, not only has it sustained, it has grown in its footprint, it has grown in its influence, it's grown in its programs, it's grown in its staff, it's grown in its stature, it has grown in every way. That can only make me feel very, very good. Because a successful succession is something that continues. So you're saying, have all your successions been successful? No, they have not. Let me tell you the other side. In 1989, I was pastoring a church. And as I was exiting, uh, there was another pastor who was, uh, who was, uh, who made application, went through the whole process, who was accepted by the leadership of the church to come in, to be my successor. That succession did not go well. That succession led to power struggles with the new pastor. That succession led to conflicts among the church leadership. That succession led to lack of capacity in leadership. 
Some of it, looking back on it, I hold myself responsible for. I could have done a much better job of raising leaders. I could have done a much better job of helping people think at a higher level. I could have uh, plowed the ground a little bit better. I could, have, I could have done a few things differently, no doubt about that. But that succession did not go well. In a very, very short period of time, they had a very quick turnover of pastors. So that was, 2000 and, that was 1989. In the next six to eight years, they had three pastors, one right after the other. That tells you it was not a successful succession. However, the fourth pastor who came in there was able to stabilize it, was able to grow it. Most of the people who were there when I was there are not there maybe one or two families, the rest of them are all new. They have grown in numbers, they've grown in stature, they've grown in influence, but that all kudos and all credit goes to that pastor, not to me. Because my exit, I thought was very smooth, very good, we did everything right, well, I believed, uh, I... Uh, inculcated the culture, I, I made all the introductions, I did all the exposure, I loaned all my credibility, I did everything that I thought, but it was still not a successful succession. It is as God's grace that the church is not only alive today, but it is thriving today. Why is that? Because there both things can happen. A successful succession is not about the outgoing person or the incoming person. It's always about the legacy, sustainability of the organization. Number three, succession has to do as much about the successor as it has to do with the predecessor. So a lot of the focus is about the person who is leaving. And we don't give enough gravitas to the person who's coming in. And this baton has to be handed in a smooth manner so that your constituency, your customers, your members, your attenders don't feel like one day was this, another day was that. So much thought has to be given to an organization that's working on its legacy. So who is the ideal candidate for a successful succession? Right now I'm giving you the, the big points, the big points. When I come back in my next session, I'm going to break it down uh, for you and talk about the do's and don'ts and so on and so forth. But right now I'm just uh, giving you the, the big picture. The big picture is that the successful candidate can be described in three words. Insider, outsider, insider. Insider, outsider, insider. How did that work? It was a person who was on the inside of the company, inside of the church, inside of the nonprofit, inside of the NGO. They went away. Either they were sent or they went. They did other things. They had got real life experience somewhere else. A greater sense of appreciation for, for what is uh, 
what they had and where they were working. They built credibility. They had good experiences, they had bad experiences. They had successes, they had failures. They, 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 they grew as a human being, they grew as a leader, they grew as a manager, they grew as a communicator, they grew as a planning strategist, they grew as a change agent, they grew where they were outside. And then there's a succession opportunity on the inside of your organization and you invite that outsider to come back in. Now when they come in, they have gravitas with them. They have credibility with them. They have outside experience with them. Because if you raise a person from inside, there's no problem with that. There are many successful successes that happen like that. But the dynamics are, yesterday you were my peer, today you are my boss. Yesterday we talked trash. And today, you want me to respect you. Yesterday, we just hung out. Today, you want me to come to meetings on time. And so on, so forth, so forth, so forth. So the, the ideal candidate that we have found for successful succession is somebody who was an insider, outsider, went away, became an outsider, got invited back as an insider. That's what happened with me uh, at uh, the university. At one time, I was an insider, I was a student there, I was a breakfast cook, I was a dishwasher, and I was a janitor. I was an insider. I graduated, got married, went away, became an outsider. Got real life experience there, made my own mistakes there, Enjoyed my own successes there. Went to college there of hard knocks. And then when there was a vacancy here, I got invited back. Insider, outsider, insider. There's a couple more things. A successful succession is contingent on the successor being secure to honor and respect the successor, the incoming successor has to be secure enough to honor, respect the predecessor. I said that wrong earlier. The predecessor, the one who left. You never lose by honoring previous leadership. You don't have to agree with previous leadership but you can honor previous leadership. Honor and respect. So if you are thinking about succeeding somebody, if you're thinking about going into another company, another field, if you are being promoted to another department, find out all you can about, your, about the predecessor, the person you succeeded, and honor them. Make sure that everybody understands that you're standing tall because standing on their shoulders. Make sure everybody knows that you are building on their work. Make sure everybody knows that you're an honorable person. You never gain by slinging mud at others. There's an old cliche which says, the only thing you lose as slinging mud at others is the ground you're standing on. You lose ground. Don't do that. It's just an intrinsic part of being honorable and respectful.
So succession, four things. Leadership, followership, finances, and honor. Leadership, followership, finances, and honor. Let me talk a little bit about each one of them. And when I come back, I'll talk about the do's and don'ts for successors and predecessors. Do's and don'ts. That's what we're going to talk about next. So let's talk about leadership, followership, finances, and honor. Those are the four things that you have to pay attention to when you are coming in. When you're coming into an organization and you're in a leadership position and you're leading people, number one, leadership. So what does a leader do? A leader, first of all, defines reality and does a reality check. A leader assesses where we are. Have you ever been to a mall and uh, you're trying to get to that store and there's this directory and says, you are here? So what we do is you've got to find out where we are. Leadership is understanding the culture. Leadership is understanding where the alliances and the animosities. Let me unpack that. Who is running with who? Who's related to who? Who's whose friend? And who can stand the other person? Give you, give you an example from my, my personal life. Uh, the church that I was pastoring in uh, another state, uh, my, my worship leader, let me just uh, call him Joe. He was my worship leader. I had a secretary, a church secretary, and let me just call her Jane. Jane was my church secretary. So I talked to her about all the nitty-gritty stuff of, of church. Joe, my worship leader. Jane, my church secretary. Back in 1980. 1980. It took me three months before I discovered that Joe and Jane were twins. Yeah, hear me again. It took me three months to discover that Joe, my worship leader, and Jane, my secretary, were twins. They didn't look alike. She was married. She had another last name. He, of course, had his last name, so there were different last names. They lived in different cities. From outside, they just happened to get along, just like everybody else in the church did. Uh, they fellowship together, and I, I just thought they were families that you know, were there before me, they will be there after me, they are just, they are great people, they are just fellowshipping, they are, they, are, they are just friends with each other, but three months before I discovered alliances. Boy, am I glad. The day I discovered that, I was like, whoo, so glad I did not say anything uh, uh, jaded or derogatory or complaining about Joe, the worship leader, to Jane, the church secretary. Could have been very easy to do. Thank God I didn't do that. So a leader goes into an organization, studies where we are, makes an assessment of where uh, they need to go, understands the culture, gets to know the alliances and the animosities, starts building a team. That is what you do when you go in 
as a successful successor. Then followership. Followership is making sure that you're not the smartest person in the room and that you're getting a wide variety of voices. The decision might be yours, but input has to be your responsibility as well. The most, the most honoring question I, one human being asks another human being is, what do you think? What do you think we should do about this? How do you feel about that? That's followership. It is putting yourself on purpose in a subservient position so other people can have input. Other people can have leadership. Other people can speak into it. That's what I mean by followership. So you are the leader. I get that. But you've also got to be the follower because you've got to know that other people have smarts. Other people have perspectives. Other people have experiences. Other people have histories. Other people can give you information that can keep you out of the ditches. A friend of mine says, for every mile of road, there are two miles of ditches. For every mile of road, there are two miles of ditches. And your followership is going to keep you out of the ditches. Finances. I've been in organizational leadership now for oh, 40 years, I would say. Some kind of organizational leadership for at least 40 years. You want to have a bad meeting? Don't pay attention to finances. You want to have a negative, pessimistic, fatalistic meeting? Show them a report of bad finances. Been there, done that. I know what I'm talking about. Pay attention to the money. Pay attention to finances. This is what I know about leadership. If your finances are strong, your executive team, your board, your company, your church finds that security, knows that you're managing it well, know that you understand it well, pay attention to the money. When you're going in, Meet with the money people. You got to know the inflow, the outflow. You've got to know the systems, the protocols, the reimbursements, the requisitions, the credit cards, the authorizations, the responsibilities, the reporting, all of those things. You got to know that. If you don't and you leave that with somebody else, it's not going to go to a good place because at the end of the day, it is your responsibility to take the finances and finally honor. About five minutes ago, I talked to you about a principle of honor and I want to say to you, be honorable in everything that you do. Even if your predecessor messed up, be honorable by not saying more derogatory and worse things about it. Be honorable about not making that person a point of discussion. Be honorable to make sure that you're good, sowing good seeds. Because as you have read and I have read in the Bible, what you sow is what you're going to reap. In your exit one day, you will want people to honor you. Honor your predecessor.